What's up, folks? Welcome to another edition of Matt Sports House. I am your host, Matthew Anderson, joined alongside my uh, colleague. There you go. I get it every week. Whatever. But my colleague and also college football analyst. This year, you're just a college football analyst. In years past, you've been just an analyst. You get it. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. uh, got my guy Thomas Hemingway. Thomas, what's up? Uh, I don't know, man. Glad to be back. I know we we uh we missed a week last week, so yeah, it's good good to be back. Yeah, I was having so I felt like uh one of those uh I think I've said this before. I felt like one of those artists. I think coming back off tour. <laughs> oh yeah, you know? oh yeah, yeah. No, we gotta talk about that. Yeah, oh, yeah, we need to talk about that. Yeah, I was about to say yeah, we didn't really talk like that since you came back from the concert. Yes, yes, yes. It's down in A, down in A. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy, bro. I've been to Atlanta twice. In uh, my whole life, this year I've been there really? times. Crazy, yeah. your whole life you only been twice. Twice, went one time to uh, Steve Harvey back to school bash. Went with my mama though. I didn't yeah. understand. Like, so obviously that's a different Atlanta. And then yeah. I went with uh, my family. Oh, maybe like it was right after Drake and Future had dropped uh, that mixtape back in high school. Is that no. what they did? What was the name of that mixtape? Uh, I know it was a hundred. I'm going blank. Um, Et Project Et. You said Drake and Future? Yeah, Drake and Future. Was it nah, Project it was. It's the one with all them diamonds on the cover, ain't it? It's the blue. It's a light blue. It's a light blue cover. Oh, it's black with a light blue cover. Hold on. Luckily. Yeah, that that the Et one was just. It was Future and uh and DJ Esco. And is Drake on it? He might have had like a song or something with Drake on there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wait, what, what was it called? The I don't even know. But you said Future and DJ Escobar. Yeah, yeah. And DJ, yeah, yeah. I remember that because I remember that "Married to the Game" song was on there. I think. Let's see here. That was on. Yeah, on there. That was, that yeah I'm just looking at the cover here real quickly. Yep, that's the one. That's the one. Project yeah. ET. Yeah, so that was the last time because they had just dropped that 100 IT racks on it. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, well, uh, well, yeah, we'll talk about it later. Now, first, <laughs> house. All right, Thomas. So we can go ahead and get started since we're talking about the southeastern region of the country. You know, y'all know usually we kind of hop straight and talk talk about Colorado football. We'll start off in the SEC. It's kind of been an interesting year so far in the SEC, both kind of the east and the west. Because there's no team right now that's just kind of outwardly kind of dominant. I've been saying this. I feel like the Pac-12 is kind of like how the SEC usually is in years past this year. And we'll kind of go more into them uh, a little bit later. But, I mean, Thomas, I guess I asked you to start in the SEC uh, West. Yeah, in the West. Who do you think is the best team right now in the West? Man, I'm not even going to lie to you, Matt. It's kind of it's, it's tough to say. Um, I mean, it's weird because because when you usually start talking about who's the best team out the West, you start thinking like like playoff teams, like playoff implications and stuff like that. And so that's why I'm like, it's hard to say because I mean, it, it's really like like you said, it's kind of up for grabs. I mean, we saw Ole Miss lose to Bama, uh, you know, a week or two ago. I you know I thought Ole Miss was gonna give them a, a better game than that this year. I thought Ole Miss. You know, really had a chance to run the table in the West this year, but they already lost one to Bama. Um, and then, uh, you know, LSU, they got that high-powered offense, but they're lacking defense over there. So it's like I want to 
Tate in, but then they just had that, you know, that that shootout game against Ole Miss this past weekend. So it's tough, man. I'm, I mean, I probably, I probably still have to go with Bama. Um, you know, I guess maybe just when you put together, you know, obviously they got saving, uh, running the team and all that, but uh, I, I just think. The more the season goes along, the more Miro gets experienced. I don't really, you know, that's when it'll start to show that that Bama's kind of the, um, you know, cream of the crop in that SEC West. Um, you know, I still think they're just going through that uh, kind of feeling each other out period, I guess, a little bit with Miro. Not necessarily feeling each other out, but, I mean, yeah, basically just still kind of getting settled in um, as a starting quarterback. Uh, and I feel like they're honestly the best. Um, in the SEC West on defense, so I think that's kind of what, what gives them the edge. They're definitely lacking on offense when you compare them to, like I said, teams like LSU and, and Ole Miss and even Texas A&M. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, the way their defense has been coming to play every week, it's like that's the one thing you can hang your hat on this year with Bama is that the defense is going to come to play. So I think um, having that defense is, is what makes them the best team in the West, honestly. Yeah, you know, it's kind of interesting. A couple of things that you said there. First of all, with Bama, I think a lot of people, when they we saw they lost to Texas, we were all like, oh, well, that's it for Bama. But then Clack came on uh, Fox or they might have his YouTube channel. It was like, y'all, there's not that many other teams that can beat Bama and do what Texas did to them, especially in the SEC or just kind of around right. a country period or at least teams that they'll face. And then you just, like you said, Milrow, Milrow will continue to get better, but it's just weird how to have an Alabama team without like a great quarterback or without even like a Greg Malcolm type of quarterback and still be kind of in that hunt. And I think right now I'm kind of leading the West. They do have a date with, it looks like, I don't know if this is just based off of like order right now, but it's showing up right now on secsports.com that the second best team is uh, A&M because they're yeah. 2-0 in the conference as well. Uh, LSU obviously has that one loss in the conference already. And so, but they got a date with Alabama this week, if I'm not mistaken. No, not this week. It's the, yeah, this week on the 7th. Oh, it is week? Yeah, so we'll figure it. So that's crazy for A&M. Remember, A&M lost to Miami, right? Yep, yeah, at Miami, yeah, early. They, yeah. they lost to Miami. You know, everybody, yeah, the U is back, not again. And then it's like A&M losing <laughs> to them, and everybody was kind of like, oh, yo, like, okay, so A&M can't even beat Miami, who's never actually back. It's like, y'all have no chance in SEC. And yeah. you know it's a long season, but they got a chance right here. Jimbo Fisher has a shot right here. And this game is going to be – let me put the schedule pulled up right here. It's going to be in at the 12th, man. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Alabama at the 12th. If you win this game, you're right back in the say Jimbo Fisher, all the graces have been saved temporarily. Temporarily. Yeah. But nonetheless, so they got a shot and, and, and to take the league in the SEC West. Well, yeah, the SEC West. The only thing about playing the SEC, though, is like because we've kind of been saying before, it's early in the season, you're going to get beat up so much throughout the schedule that it's right. like the time, there's very few chances at times that by the time you get out of SEC play, heading into your rivalry, depending on who your last game of the year is, that you have the same guys and you have been at least taking a loss to one of those teams that you've been recruiting against for all these athletes that you have. But hey, Random is a shot, and you hate it for Ole Miss because this is the type of year for Ole Miss where you would be like, if we could just win a couple games, we got a yeah. shot. This Bama is not the unbeatable team. AM's not this unbeatable team. Auburn's not this unbeatable team. We got a shot this year. And I, you know, I Auburn obviously isn't there right now, but I feel like if Alabama still continues to have struggles with uh quarterbacks for the foreseeable future, 
Hugh Freeze might get him some guys going, and then they, they got a shot. You know, I'm sure Hugh Freeze would not love nothing more to feel like he's back at the top of the SEC West like he was with Ole Miss before everything went down. So yeah. um, did you see that hit? Speaking of the SEC West, you see that hit Jaden Daniels took? Yeah. Yeah, man, he that's crazy. I was, I mean, obviously I saw it, you know, Saturday when it happened, but I saw it, you know, was looking out on my phone right before we got on here. And yeah, I was like, man, he he just looks so light out there. Like he almost he almost was like like body, you know, when you think about like body composition, he's like like a little taller version of Bryce Young almost. Yeah. It's like they got that like slender build and yeah, it's like when he got hit, he yeah, he all up in the air and legs kicking. I'm like, darn, like, like, dog. That's like his third time this season getting hit like that. We're only, right. we're only like in week five or six or whatever. So you, that's a good point. And as soon as you said, I was thinking the only difference is Bryce Young never took those hits. Right. right. Like Bryce had a smooth. He you you watch Bryce Young play like this guy's probably good at basketball. Yeah, <laughs> he's like he can run, 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 get out of bounds. Yeah, hey, I don't want those problems. Then he gets back in the huddle, and yeah. stuff for fast, uh, fast-paced offense, however they do get the play. But yeah, so interesting to watch it. And then so we're going to go over to the other side of the conference, the SECs. You know, it's just when you watch teams play, you feel like Georgia is Georgia, but they're not the same Georgia we're used to seeing. Right. Uh, Kentucky's undefeated. Do you remember that's Mark Stoops at Kentucky, right? Yeah, pretty good. Do you remember when he first took that job with Kentucky was? Yeah. What I, I wish I could I, you know a year off the top of your head he took the job? I don't know right off my head. I'm looking I'm looking at that. But I remember I guess I we just look see how long he's been at Kentucky now. But while you're looking that up, like it was like he has turned like I don't think he gets because I think he was the head coach, he was the defensive coordinator at Florida State. I'm pretty sure before he took that job. And I don't think he gets as much credit for what he's turned into that program into. And that yeah. program on a year in and year out basis is they, they usually can't get over that hump of winning the SEC, but they're right there. And this year he got them two and zero in the conference, five and zero, just like Georgia. Missouri is five and zero with a one and zero record in the SEC. Which one and zero they play one game in the SEC, but nonetheless, Missouri yeah. fans used to be at the top like that of at least the SEC for even if it's just the time being. Then you got Florida up next, so. I mean, if you look at it right now, do you think – oh, let's, let's start here. Do you think Georgia's still right now the best team in the SEC East, or do you think Kentucky can run for their money? No, nah, I, I think – yeah, I think definitely when you just look at the East, I think they're still the best team. Um, I'm not going to lie. I haven't seen much of Kentucky this year. Like, I haven't got to, you know, watch them uh, a lot with my own eyes. So, I got to go in and, and really see what they're talking about. I know that um, the, the thing that's kind of – they're hanging their hat on is that run game at Kentucky. I think they yeah. got a pretty good run game going over there. Um, so if we're just going off that, I mean, it sounds like they're kind of playing like the same kind of uh, football as Georgia is, is in the sense of like being physical and stuff like that, wanting to run the ball against you and be physical and stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, I, I still think Georgia is, is the, definitely the best team in the East. Again, similar, you know, for like I said with Bama, I just think when you got uh, – a strong defense that you know is going to come to play each and every week. That's like, I think you want that more than anything. I think a coach would definitely rather have a, a defense that you know is going to come out to play every week, opposed to an offense that you know is going to come out and put up forty every week. So I think, yeah, like I said, just like with Bama, that that uh, that defense is is what makes them that best team in the uh, East because there's definitely a lot of uh, like that Missouri offense. I got a good look at them Saturday. Um, 
that they got the, a pretty explosive offense. They got a good receiver core out there. Um, so, you know, when you got offenses like that in the same division as you, uh, you know, you got to have something else that's kind of going to make you make you stand out or, you know, be leader of the pack. And so I think that's that defense for Georgia. And one thing you got to think about with that Georgia, like, defense is, like, because, like I said, they just haven't been quite as dominant as they've had been in years past. First of all, it's hard to sustain that that level of talent with guys going to the draft. Now everybody's competing with NIL, so maybe at one point all those guys were going to your school. Now they get mixed around. But also, one thing I always consider, though, is at least you know that whenever Alabama was having those really, really great defensive just defensive teams in general, you say whole team. I'm just like how I like the defenses. It's like Kirby Smart was a defensive coordinator. So it's like worst case scenario, you got that guy who's going to go sit in that defensive room and be like, hey, here's my idea. Defense coordinator, I'm giving – it's your job to get it fixed. But if if I'm noticing some things, he can always be like the great reset and get yeah. things going. The one to mention is Kentucky running back. You see what the stats he had? First of all, Kentucky, they beat Florida for the, with the final score 33-14 uh, this past weekend. I'm pretty sure that game was at Kentucky. So, Devin Leary, their quarterbacks, went 9 for 20 for 69 yards and one touchdown. So, you would say, how in the world did you beat Florida <laughs> with the final score 33-14 whenever your starting quarterback threw 9 for 20? It's so crazy. We're so used to seeing 22 for 25 performances by quarterbacks. You see yeah. 9 for 20, it's like, was he blind? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, like you guys yeah. so used to seeing. Like, I feel like last last year, CJ Stroud twenty nine for thirty three. So yeah. it's like that's near perfection almost. And like these quarterback ratings are like one hundred and sixty percent. Dude, the running back Ramon Davis twenty six carries, two hundred eighty yards, three touchdowns. Mm. That means he was probably yeah. averaging like a little bit over ten yards per carry. Yeah. So, like you said, they've been leaning on that running game. Huge for them, clearly. But guess who they got this week? Take a guess. Take a guess. Take a guess. Is it Georgia? Absolutely. Yeah, Georgia. Oh, God. <laughs> is it, uh, hold on. Is it at Georgia? Checking on that right now. This game, oh, man, it's going to be rocking at Sanford Stadium. Is that Georgia? Oh, is that Georgia? Ooh, that's tough. That tough. If, it was, if it was in Lexington. That would have been a huge game because, yeah, Georgia's not been – they definitely look beatable this year. I say that. They look beatable. Yeah, because past couple weeks, Florida's up against them. Last week, Auburn's up, I think, 17-10. Week before, Carolina's up against them. So, it's like, okay, if you get this – but for what Kirby Smart I've been hearing, he's saying it's a really resilient team. So, the only yeah. thing is it's like, okay, get like getting up on them, now they're used to that. It's staying up on them. And yeah. at the night show – Man, that's going to be – you know how live it's going to be right uh, between the hedges. <laughs> and I was yeah. thinking because uh, so I know some people are going to this Carolina-Florida game that's going to be on Friday – Saturday, Saturday, of course, thinking of high school football. It's going to be on Saturday. And they got the Carolina game scheduled for 3.30. And I was like, I wonder why they had the Carolina game scheduled for 3.30. But it's like because that's the 7 o'clock game. Yeah, yeah. But that's going to be crazy. Uh, give me your prediction, Tom. So you got Kentucky versus Florida at – I mean, Kentucky versus Georgia at Georgia. Who you got? I, I, I got to go Georgia now. Just like I said, I ain't seen much Kentucky, so I want to go out on a limb and be like, Kentucky's going to beat them. And I don't even – I mean, because it's tough to be Georgia trying to kind of do the same, trying to just out-physical them. I mean, your best bet is, is to get up early and just try and, you know, just, I guess, use as much clock as you can and just keep the ball out of their offense hands. Um, so, I mean, if Kentucky, you know, sticks to that game plan, I think they got a shot. But 
Yeah, I mean, just for, you know, everything you described, you know, it being a night game at Sanford and, you know, the energy in there is going to be crazy. I'm sure Georgia's by now hearing all the talks and, you know, like we're saying right now, like this ain't the same Georgia. So, you know, they might be taking that to heart, looking to come out and then kind of, you know, put all those thoughts to rest. So, yeah, I, I think I'm going to – I'll take Georgia in it uh, right now. But, you know, once I – once I do a little uh, film study on Kentucky, that that you know I, I might change up a little later in the week. I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking. Kirby Smart probably has it on the all over the uh, facility. Running back, 280 yards. Georgia, Georgia doesn't stop the run like they used to. No more Jalen Carter. No more yeah. XYZ, No more such and such. They they can't stop them. This might be the year Kentucky can get have their number. This might like so you know that he's probably picturing that all over the facility. Or you know Kirby Smart kind of cocky too. He's like it ain't gonna happen. Yeah, and, and they might just go prove them right. You know it's gonna be loud. You know it, it seems like everywhere across the SEC now they have like the little light situation. Yeah, yeah. So definitely a game. I'm sure a lot of the top recruits in the country will be at. But like I said, just want to highlight though, regardless of how this game goes, Mark Stoops done an excellent job at Kentucky. Yeah, he got there in uh, so he got there it says in November of 2012. So I guess like the end of that 2012 season they hired him. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, I guess 2013 is really his first season. But yeah, nah, it's crazy. It's like the the way people talk about Vanderbilt now is kind of being like that bottom feeder at SEC. Kentucky was right there in that conversation when when he took that job. It was like Kentucky and Vanderbilt was just like an afterthought in the SEC. It was almost like when people talk to SEC, you didn't even think. Yeah. So yeah, for them to be one of the, the top teams in the East now, it's a crazy turnaround. It's like we used to you think Kentucky and you think basketball school, basketball school, basketball school. It's kind of like low key, because I mean, keep it frank, sometimes you gotta think about it, Carolina football. It's like, okay, we're not getting the job done football-wise. For the most part, it's like every year lose two to three games, kind of like the Cowboys. But with that being said, it's like, but women's basketball. Oh, that that we're gonna bring money in women's basketball. We're gonna go down to Greenville, win a little women's basketball tournament, and we're gonna yeah. keep this thing rolling. And you know, everybody contributes to the conference in different ways. And since we're kind of talking about South Carolina, definitely saw this tweet. I put it on Matt Sports House, and of course, it's expired, but I'm gonna go to the archives because I definitely want to mention it. Thought it was very interesting, very humbling uh, tweet I saw yesterday. So, you know, we, first of all, South Carolina loses to Tennessee. Let me do my journalism job correctly, give you the final score. <laughs> One second here. South Carolina loses to Tennessee with a final score of 20 to 41. They, man, anybody that commits to South Carolina, unless they just do a much better job recruiting offensive linemen, just if you're a quarterback and you're a commitment for South Carolina, you better be a really good dual threat quarterback. Because I'm just noticing a consistency. I, I don't remember the last time South Carolina had a great offensive line. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, you watch Spencer Rattler out there, and it's like if he couldn't move, he, he's getting abused and he can't move. Yeah. So you can only imagine and as a quarterback, it's like, and okay, so if I can't really be comfortable throwing the ball back there. I might have to, instead of making that one long throw, I might have to go run the ball, which I might get hit, or I might stand in the pocket longer and take the big hits for the throws, but the hits are coming. So, yeah. sure, South Carolina quarterbacks think about that. But I want to hear your thoughts on this. Further through their first 31 games in South Carolina, Will Muschamp 18 and 13, Shane Beamer 17 and 14. Do you think that Shane Beamer has the program moving in the right direction? Or do you think that's kind of like a, not saying a telltale sign of like he should be done here, but it's like, huh, that's kind of interesting. Or what are your thoughts on that? 
Nah, I, I think I think Beamer's, you know, you know, despite the record, I think he's got Carolina headed in the right direction. Um, just with how the team plays, um, and and you know, obviously you look at the recruiting side of it, you kind of look at the recruits we've been bringing in the past couple of years and these, you know, future commits we got. So he's bringing in the talent, um, which is kind of like eerily similar to Mustang. Like Mustang, I mean, you look at most guys that Carolina is putting in the league now, they came from that Will Muschamp era. So it's like we were recruiting talent, but you just couldn't, you know, get those – put those wins together. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I just – I just like just the vibe is different from, from the Muschamp era to now with Shane Beamer. Muschamp, it kind of felt like we were always at a standstill. Um, you know, we weren't winning these big games like we've – you know, like we've been able to win a couple here with Beamer. Um, so, yeah, I don't think you can just look at the record and say, like, all right, you know, they're just headed in the same path. Um, I mean, Georgia, I well, you know, Georgia was kind of as dominant when, when, when Muschamp was there. But, I mean, you know, the, the recent takeover they've had this past couple of years has just been something different. Um, but, I mean, I think I've said it multiple times on the show, like, that the, the talent pool is just getting bigger and bigger every year and deeper and deeper. So it's like more schools are just, you know, being able to compete like they haven't before. So I do think it's a little tougher for Beamer. Um, and I mean, you know, Muschamp wasn't dealing with all the NIL stuff. Um, so yeah, I, you know, I, I think Beamer has, uh, and, you know, he's inheriting that team that Muschamp had, you know, where, where, you know, Carolina was in kind of a rut, uh, when Muschamp left him. So, um, you know, he had to kind of had to put his own program together, establish his own culture. Um, but I mean, nah, I, I think, I think, um, uh, Beamer definitely hasn't trended in the right direction. If I had to say, yeah, I don't think the record, um, just, you know, says that he's like a carbon copy of what Mustang had going on back when he was here. Okay. And so with that being said, you know, it's kind of, so Dabble Sweeney contributes a lot of his career to about two guys, really. He says Trevor was a great talent, but he doesn't really contribute his career to that. He contributes his career to C.J. Spiller and Deshaun Watson, really. A little bit of Sammy Watkins in there, but really it's those two. Yeah. Beaver's got a shot if Lenore's turns into what he wants him to do. Like, that could be his guy. That right. it could be like, yep, these guys were helping me build the foundation. And then you hear Urban Meyer talking about Tim Tebow. Mm-hmm. which was always interesting because, once again, you hear him talk about Tim Tebow, then you hear uh, Cam Newton come on, uh, I am an athlete, yeah. say that and there is no Tim Tebow without Percy Harvin. But that's a whole other subject. But if Lenore Sellers can continue, like if he can become that guy, and then he would kind of also break the mold of these hometown quarterbacks that never end up turning yeah. out what they're supposed to be. Very yeah. similar to what C.J. Stroud is doing right now, in the NFL for Ohio State quarterbacks. Right, right, yeah. Because for the longest, it's, yeah, you come from Ohio State, you'll be a good high school quarterback, a good college quarterback, but you can't do it in the NFL. That's, I feel like, if Lenores could do it, though. And then Lenores, I'm just thinking from a standpoint of, like, ticket sales and people watching the game from the, yeah. specifically from the state of South Carolina. I'm not talking about around yeah. the country. Yeah. That's about if you win or not. But if the Florence kid can come and light it up. Yeah. And you got all the Florence folks be coming down there on, I don't want to, I was about to say something, I don't need that long. But, uh, yeah. But now you got all the uh, Florence people coming down. You got a black quarterback who's doing well. You you know how they they always do this, never fails. Yeah. Yeah. South Carolina got a black, it's about time. 
That's why Clemson yeah. started winning. They brought a black yeah. quarterback in there. So it's going to be interesting to see. Just kind of wanted to mention that. Saw, saw that tweet, and I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. But we'll keep it moving. Nah, nah man. You, nah, I was about to say, just to hit on that, uh, you know, point by Carolina before you move on. I think yeah. you right on the money with that. Because, I mean, when you think back to Carolina's glory days back in, like, you know, that, that like, 2011 to, like, 2014, I mean, when you think about all the top players from those teams, like, 90% of them were – you know, from from in the state, when you yeah. look at Alshon Jeffrey and Stephon Gilmore and, and Marcus Lattimore and guys like that, all those, you know, majority of those guys coming from the state of South Carolina. So, yeah, it is like as, as a fan, you do get a, a little more sense of pride when it's like the guys that are performing the best and, you know, put, putting the team on the map on the national stage are also from that home state. Yeah, it makes you, you know, cheer a little harder for the team for sure. And I think, too, with the recruits, is a sense of pride thing. Because it's like we have the Clemson fans who are, you know, what the Clemson fans are. But it's like we play from in the SEC. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's going to be crazy to watch. And then obviously we know with the um, Texas-Oklahoma coming over, it will be like a different type of landscape, more people involved in the SEC then. It's going right. to be crazy here uh, coming up shortly. But, yeah, so South Carolina plays Florida this week. So the SEC matchup, big-time matchup, but both of these teams are kind of out of the SEC championship race, out of the East. But big matchup nonetheless, and uh, I'm sure it'll be a packed house of Williams Bryce. That game will be, I wonder if that a CBS. Uh, I, think it, I think it's ESPN. I think I just I think they because I think they just put out that time. I know it's a 3:30 game, like you said. Yeah. I can't remember yet what network. Does the SEC I do they still is now has it already switched over to where the Big Ten has CBS? Right now, I, they're, like, in a transition, so I, they're doing both. Because, like, that Bama Ole Miss game was on CBS last week. But you remember Ohio State season opener was on CBS, too. Gotcha. So I think it's kind of, like, during that transition period. But I think next year is going to be, like, full-on uh, Big Ten. Next year is going to be so many changes. It's going to be ridiculous. It's, yeah, it's going to be crazy, man. I'm, like, it, it's so weird. It's, like, I'm we got so much going on this season. But I'm just so, yeah, I, I don't know why. I'm, I'm just, I'm ready for next year, man. This feels like it's just about to be, like, a. Like a hard, like you about to hit the reset button on college football or something, like. Yeah, because you'll be watching Ohio State play Southern Cal regular season. Yeah. What yeah. like UCLA and it's gonna be crazy here. We're, yeah. we're looking forward to it. Uh, we didn't even get to talk about it because obviously we didn't do the episode last week. But did Thomas? Did you watch the Florida Florida the Florida State Clemson game? I did. I did. Dude, very interesting. Clemson played a good game for the most of the game. They couldn't finish. Let me tell you what. Florida State receivers, some bad men. Yeah. <laughs> Those boys are some bad men out there. You got Keon Coleman, who the transfer portal, I did not pay that much attention to him at Michigan State, but man, oh man, he's a weapon. Then you got the six foot seven other receiver. Is it Johnny Wilson? Yeah, yeah, that's him. Is he, what is he, six? Is he six seven or six six? Yeah, six seven, that's what they list him. Six seven wide receiver. And then Jordan Travis ain't too bad himself. And now you got to look at it because it used to be for Clemson. Everybody said Clemson has a soft schedule. You beat Florida State. Don't really look like too many other teams in this conference are going to beat you. It seems like for the most part, Florida State, I heard another guy say it. I just wanted to highlight it. Kind of seems like Florida State got about one of the most pass and least resistant heading into the uh they could just kind of win out in the ACC championship game. I don't really see a team that's going to compete with them too much heavily coming out of the uh really the Atlantic or the coastal. 
They win ACC championship game. They could be in the playoff. I do think they have a. I'm trying to pull their schedule here. They yeah, have I'm about to say they put their schedule for like the rest of the season. Virginia Tech. They got Duke, and Duke is playing. Yeah, facts, facts. Duke almost messed around to beat uh, Notre Dame this weekend. Yeah. I don't think. I think before the season, I don't think people were imagining that Duke was going to be. The game was about to be on their schedule for him. Yeah, because it's like. Last time I remember, Duke, for me, I mean, Daniel Jones was there. They were pretty good because I remember they played Clemson tight. But you remember that Duke that year, whenever they, uh, wow, they lost to Florida State in the ACC Championship that year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, yeah, no, nah, I remember. I mean, that's, yeah. Yeah, that was that, that 2013 Florida State team. Yeah, all that NFL talent that was on there, that was like, yeah, they ain't have a shot. But that was the last time. It, what is yeah. crazy the thing turn around? That could, there could be another game like that. You know what I'm saying? If Duke is yeah. able to out. Like I said, they should have beaten Notre Dame this weekend. And then obviously I'm you know that that fight against Miami is always gonna be a tough one at the uh and that's gonna be no right, right. And I guess they got Florida. So they got a couple games that could shake them up, but they probably should win out. Yeah, they should that Duke game is gonna be tough. That Duke game is gonna be tough. What okay, did you watch the Duke game? Do you know how much do you know about Duke? The Duke uh what, the Duke Notre Dame game? Yeah, did you watch it? Uh no, nah, I didn't watch it in full. Um, I saw I watched the. I mean, I tuned in a little while the game was on, but I caught some highlights after the game was over. With. But I mean, that Clemson game was yeah, where well, I've seen in the most at, and yeah, I caught some of their game against Notre Dame this past week. Okay, because the reason I'm asking that is because we know, and then the crazy thing is, so they have those receivers. They obviously have Jordan Travis. Then they have uh, they're still trying to figure out how you Jaheim Bell. It seems like, but yeah. it's like okay, the question is. Can does Duke have the guys to neutralize what Florida State does best? Right. And vice versa. And whenever you think about it from that perspective, what do you think? Mm. Like, so, okay, like, I guess I can ask you, what do you think is Duke's biggest strength right now? Uh, It would definitely be the offense. Um, okay. Just because, I mean, that's where your leader is with, with Riley Leonard and, I mean, what all the weapons he has out there um, and the experience he has over there. That's definitely their strength. Um and I mean that's that's like the that's like the one game. Well, I mean, obviously aside from Clemson, we saw, you know, Clemson had them on the ropes for the majority of the game there. But that Boston College game was kind of a high scoring game that week before that. And yeah. Florida State barely got out of there. So it honestly seems like that's a team's best chance right now going against Florida State is to shoot it out with them and just hope you score more points than them. Cause we see that offense explosive. It's like that, that's kind of the thing for Florida State each week. Is like they seem like we know their offense is going to come to play. It's just about what that defense is going to do. So yeah. I think that's honestly Duke's best shot is to be able to. I mean, obviously, it's you know, in the sense of like if your defense gets stops, that's what you want. But you know, yeah, they they got to be able to keep up in the uh, you know in the scoring department with them too. I think that's what gives them the best shot. Yes, yeah, so that's going to be interesting to watch to see kind of what happens there. I'm gonna look at the standards real quickly. Yeah, it looks like oh. Yeah, I forgot about uh, Louisville. Louisville's having a really good year this year. Three and zero in the conference. It, oh yeah, I just seen them on uh, Friday night when they came here to play NC State. Yeah. Okay, what are your thoughts on Louisville? They are another, you know, explosive team on offense. It's kind of hard to gauge them going against NC State because NC State's been struggling on offense this year. Yeah. Struggling with quarterback playing and stuff like that, so they didn't, you know, that wasn't like a real big test for their defense. Um. But I, I I got a good look at him week one uh, in that kickoff game against Georgia Tech. 
Um, and then, like I said, this past Friday, you know, I got to see him in person against NC State. And, uh, yeah, that offense, they, they got weapons on offense out there at receiver. Um, that's kind of like their uh, – that's really when the offense is at their best, when they can get it to their receivers and, and quick game and things like that and, and let them run after the catch uh, or hit them over top of big plays. That's really when, when Louisville is at their best. Um, I don't think they're I don't think they're better than Florida State though. That didn't that didn't the, the vibe I got coming in there. I think for them to be that same caliber team of Florida State, they would have came in there and dominated NC State. But, oh, yeah. I mean that was a pretty close game there. Um, I, they yeah they had to win it off a pick late at the end. Um, so I mean yeah they didn't just come in there and just had their way with, with NC State. So that was kind of telling. But they got an offense. They got an explosive offense, and it was it was a kind of off night for the offense. Receivers were dropping. A lot of passes and stuff. Um, so I mean, yeah, they could, you know, definitely got a lot to clean up. But yeah, that's a that's a you know, off. I mean, that's a team that relies heavily on their offense for sure. Okay, so yeah, because I didn't even think about them, but Louisville, Louisville might come into that game. Uh, well, they don't play them in the regular season, but they end up in the ACC championship game. That might be a good matchup. You got uh, on that. You got uh, Louisville has Notre Dame this week. Ooh, yeah, that would be a good one. Man, that, that ACC kind of, all right, man. <laughs> yeah, they just kind of making it happen there every week. The little ACC just got some contenders, I guess you could say. Yeah, they got a good lead at a little four or five team makes in there, yeah. You know, I think the ACC was about to have a heart attack. You heard earlier in the week, Clemson, they were talking about Clemson maybe leaving. They're seeing Clemson maybe. You never really know what this journalism stuff was. The right, truth. right. Right, because uh, I know there are this big ACC contracts and stuff, and you, like I said, I think a lot of us think just football, but basketball, it's like ah, do you, the Clemson loses, damn, they, they, every team contributes something different. Usually, Clemson the power right. of football, Florida State might be too, but then you got these schools, Duke, North Carolina, that bow out of basketball. Yep, definitely, yeah. definitely. Yeah, well, ACC, uh, yeah, the ACC are really good conference in basketball, most yeah. years. And so, uh, we'll talk about it in a second. And Notre Dame is a – they're in the ACC for every sport but football, right? Yeah, football, they're still considered independent, but I think they play like an ACC schedule. Because they, I remember they played in the ACC championship a couple years back. Yeah. All right, Thomas. So, looks like we're going to move here off of the ACC, SEC. We're heading to the Pac-12. Is like, do you hear the analysis talking about a lot? So I ain't gonna dwell on it, but it's just so crazy that everybody talks about the Pac 12 now and the Pac 12 is being dissolved. You know, they just wish they were just one year too late. They, they could have had this type because right now they're like the talk of the town. Everybody looking at the Pac 12 after dark now. And even yeah. if not, you're at least thinking about what Washington's got going on out there. You might want to check out DJ, but it's whatever. Teams just move around different places. Gotta go ahead and let's just talk. We'll start off with the general topic of Colorado. So Colorado missed the loss this week, uh, and I said it beforehand. You know, Dion almost got people almost like you don't want to say nothing too fast because you don't want to seem like you're not believing. Right. I said it. I said coming before this even uh, this two game skid even happened for them. I was like, yo, the fact the way I don't see any way that they get out of. USC and Oregon with uh, as far as the two opposing teams, not because I know this game was at Colorado, but when it wins in both of those, I like they, they might split them. And they came close to splitting it because they almost yeah. beat Southern Cal here, but uh, they did in fact lose with the final score of 41 to 48. All the stars were there again. I saw, I, I knew it was quick. I saw Deshaun Jackson was there. I thought, I see I posted him on Friday out there. Yeah. 
So you just saw the stars, you know, how everybody, uh, Terrell is out there. CC Sabathia, you saw that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. CC Sabathia was there. Who else was in that tunnel? Chauncey Billups, I think, was there again. Yeah, because I think he, I think he played there. I think he played at Colorado. That's right, Paul Pierce. Kevin yeah, yeah, like the whole Celtics, almost like the whole Celtics. I know not the whole Celtics team, but a bunch of guys from the Celtics team was there. Yeah, a lot of them was there. Did, I saw the clip on Twitter. I didn't realize that Eric B. and me did he did, was he in the Heisman voting when he was at Colorado? I didn't know that. Y'all yeah, know that. I saw a clip. I think he led them to the national championship or something. Oh no, nah, I know that. I know he yeah. was like that in college. Eric being to me, yes, I'm pretty sure he was a quarterback. It's funny because some old. Oh, he was a quarterback. Oh yeah. No, let me let me look it up. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Chooses them over Southern Cal. Uh, by the end of 1990 season, he was named the Big Eight Conference Offensive Player of the Year, finishing third in the Heisman voting. Wow. He's and in, I was winning in 90, 1990? Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, by the end of 1990 season, uh, he's inducted into the School Athletic Hall of Fame. So, so he's one of those coaches that have played at a high level and yeah, you know, yeah. a lot of times because he was in the second round, picked up by the San Diego Chargers. I want to say, though, why in his time there at Colorado, let's see if I can find the uh, – as a coach, as a player there, did they win the national championship or were they close to it? I thought they were. I, about to say, I know Colorado was nice back in the day. Yeah, I don't know. Ask your dad. <laughs> yeah. Ask your dad. Like, he, he'll be able to tell us. We'll talk about it next week. But um, so this game, it, I ain't gonna lie to you, it didn't start good. It did not start good. When you yeah. sit watching this game, I was like, oh, because it looked like the same thing that was happening last yeah. year. Yeah. And you know, for a while there, the culture was rocking with Colorado, black and gold, everything. Yeah. You start seeing people, you don't hear any people tweeting about it, but you know, people are still watching. Yeah, it's yeah. just like because then they lose, and I'm like, okay, well, I know a lot of those people turn the game off. Those people yeah. who were just tuned in, but yeah, they're they're gone. But uh, you start seeing them start pulling it together, score point here and there, and then uh, but I thought it was over. I think I took a little nap. So, okay, it's done. So, <laughs> I ain't gonna lie to you. I'll be honest. I'm trying to be <laughs> sure. yeah. you know, next thing I know, Omarion Miller is having a record day. I look at the. This man, Omario Miller. Let's let's look at the stats here. Let's look at the stats here. Let's look at the stats here. That is USC, Colorado. Seven receptions, 196 yards, and a touchdown. I'm pretty sure he did all in the second half. Yeah, I think yeah, I think you know, I think he had like three catches in the first half. And he just set the game on fire. And so I thought it was interesting because I listened to the interview, uh, post game interview with Deion Sanders. He says, shoot, I didn't know Mario had it in there. He don't practice well. I'm like, wow, Deion just Wow, yeah. He, he, just, he said he don't practice well. That's why he wasn't playing. And it's like, oh, shooting. But this is what I wanted to say. Yet again, and we talked about this before, another Colorado buff in that wide receiver room or tight end room making a big impact in a big game. You start thinking, like, who all do they have in those wide? Because if any one of those guys are willing or tight end, talk about uh, Harrison are able to go off on any game in any week and it's just like the next one up yeah yeah it's, it's kind of crazy to watch BS yeah, so he had a big day you saw Jimmy Hoare had two touchdowns 
uh, Weaver, it seemed like for a while there, Weaver and Horn were kind of just catching and getting hit very quickly. Both yeah. of them have some, listen to this, Thomas. You had Amarion with seven receptions, Jimmy Horn with seven receptions, Michael Harrison with six, and Xavier Weaver with seven. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it makes you wonder, like, yo, how many times did Shador Sanders went 30 for 45, 371 yards, four touchdowns? You got to see out in McCaskill out there, but he didn't have a like any like a rate record breaking game or anything like yeah. that. He is back out there on the field. Um, I'm just giving my take on it, and Thomas obviously will come through. Yeah, no, you Caleb Williams started off hot, and then we saw Marshawn Lloyd <laughs> change direction like it was high school football, and it's more the opposite way. I was just funny. At that point, I was doing a um, – and this goes over the story. I was finished up doing Amazon Flex. Shout out Amazon. We need the deal. We need the deal. <laughs> ain't gonna happen. We need the deal. But uh, I was watching uh, the – I had, I had the little Fox app. But I yeah. haven't taken my TV server to it yet. So I only had like 10 minutes left and they cut me off. And I was like one play into the drive. I finally oh, yeah. cut on, they scored. I was like, how did that happen that quickly? Yeah, yeah. I was like, what What just happened? The score was just X, Y, Z. How did they score that quickly? But it looked like Caleb Williams was driving down the field. But then uh, Colorado got it going. Uh, Thomas, what were your thoughts on the game? Yeah, a lot like you, you know, the beginning was definitely not what we wanted to see following last week. Um, you know, with Dion coming out saying, like, we never looked that bad again, all, you know, the comments he was making after the Oregon game. Yeah, them first couple drives was like, yeah, that that, that was rough, man. That was rough. It's crazy to see how quick it, it turned around. It's, you know, like, just in a matter of a, a two weeks, a week and a half. It's like all that hype we saw for the first three weeks is just like did a complete 180. And now it's like, yeah, how can they save the season type talk? And yeah, it's, it's, wild. it's, it's wild. It's wild. Um, but I mean, yeah, I like I like how they competed. Um, I feel like most teams after the week they had against Oregon last week, you get down 21 nothing, you laying down. It's like game over with, like, all right, it's just like last week. Let's go ahead, just make it quick, let's get it out of here. Um, but I mean, yeah, it's like I guess that you know, a sense of pride kicked in. Like, we on national television, we got all these stars out here coming to see us. Like, yeah, yeah, now 21 days, like, we got to do so. Yeah, we got to put up some kind of fight. Um, so yeah, that was definitely, uh, you know, something good to see is just that, that you know, they never quit on the game, they you know, stayed in it to the very end. Um, but I mean, yeah, it's just, just more of the same. I feel like we, we already kind of knew about Colorado. I mean, it started from week one. We saw that the trenches were kind of the weak spot for them. Yep. It just seems like week by week is is getting more. I hate to use the word exposed because it says you know like negative con you know connotation behind it. But I mean I feel like that's really what it is. It's just you know with each week they're getting more on film, more for the next team to see. Um, you know more holes for the next team to find. Um. So yeah, I think I think we're seeing a lot of that. Um, and then just just playing better competition as the season goes along. I mean, we knew by far Oregon and USC were going to be, you know, the toughest competition to date, probably the toughest competition they're going to see the whole season. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, like I said, it was, it was you know, good to see him still staying in the fight. Uh, like you said, it was good to see another playmaker emerge for him um, and Amarion Miller. Um, but, yeah, you, you know, you, you ran off their stats. You know, you got multiple guys with, with five-plus catches. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it shows you, you know, it's it's not just 
you know, a pass-happy offense and they're just force-feeding one or two guys. The door's really spreading the ball out, um, you know, making all the – you know, most of the right decisions. He had a pretty bad pick early in the game there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's making all the right decisions. I see it as just Colorado just wants it, um, you know, in the hands of their best player at all times on the offense, truly. Um, you know, letting him make all those big decisions and stuff like that. Uh so, yeah, I mean, I, I think he was, you know, the main driver in that comeback is just him, you know, being consistent back there at the quarterback spot. You know, he wasn't – didn't get caught up trying to do too much. You know, wasn't trying to score 21 points in one play. Um, you know, is it, that's kind of a saying. I feel like you hear more in basketball. It's like you don't have – you know, you get down by 10 or something, it's like there's no such thing as a 10-point shot. The same in football. It's like there's not a play you can draw up that's going to get you 21 points in one play. So, I think that was a, a testament to Shador's poise and him just, um, you know, staying in there, still making all the right decisions, making the right throws, um, you know, when they needed to be made. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's definitely, you know, it was some bright spots in there. Uh, I feel like it was, aside from that first quarter, it was a good showing after a game like last week. After you came out and, and got, you know, embarrassed like that on national TV, I think to come out and show the, kind of re resiliency and fight that they showed this week was was a good showing for them. And then, you know, and they were without some of their players. They were without uh, Shador. Not, it's not Shador, Shiloh. They were yeah. without Shiloh in this ball game, who was laying lumber against Oregon. But you watch yeah. Shiloh, you know his hashtag is headache game. But yeah. you watch enough of his hits, you go, how can the, how many of these type of hits can the human body withstand? Because he's delivering them, but they're definitely like yeah. the back end of them. Yeah. And without Travis Hunter. You sit here and wonder. It's like when Travis Hunter gets back, we know he's a great player. Dion the love him. But it's like, yo, how many – because with him coming back, it's going to take receptions from somebody. Right, right. That's just right. how the thing goes to see. But at one point, all we knew was Travis and, you know, Jimmy and uh, Weaver. But now right. it's like how many receptions can we get to everybody? Then on defense, we see Cormani McClain come in there, have the – uh, the big pass breakup almost had an interception. And I just thought it was a crazy week that he was able to do this right after Dion had kind of been on his neck. Yeah. yeah. And, and and when they were in the locker room, Dion even goes, okay, Karani, yeah, way to come to play. I'll show or either sit in off in a uh, post game or in the interview afterwards. He's like, now stop wearing them doggone earrings in the building or I guess at the game because he's big. Dion's big on that. Yeah, yeah. Socks. It's like a show up to the meetings. So it's like this is and we you know we so we know this with some talented guys. It's like some of these guys know how to play. Yeah. When it yeah. matters, it's like just get this guy to the I remember one guy was talking about back when USC, South Carolina was in those kind of glory days to an extent. I think it might have been I don't want to mention his name because I don't want to expose him here. But uh <laughs> he was saying some of the guys, it was like just get them there on game day. Yeah. However, you got to get this brother to show up. He ain't gonna listen to nothing you say as a coach. He gonna do everything you say don't do. But if he'll show up and play on Saturday, and that's what we needed him to do, kind of reminds you in basketball a little bit of Lamar Odom. It's like his preparation and Kobe Bryant's preparation not the same. Yeah. <laughs> but they yeah. up in the finals. Everybody did their job. They get the ring. So yeah, yeah. Uh, that was interesting. Kermani. One thing also for this receiving core it helps in the. Uh, for recruiting, it's like, you see, I don't know, did you see that receiver out of California shutting down his high school season to get ready to begin? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I did, I did. Because if you ball, you see at Colorado, if you ball, you play early, and it's not yeah. like you're going to be out there and might get one reception. 
It just have opportunities, it, yeah. It might just be your day to be just like uh, the guy we were just talking about here. No, my name just draws on Blake real quickly. Omarion? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Omarion. Because he, he was a true freshman. Yeah. Coming out of Louisiana. I guess I should give his stats here. Had him pulled up. So, yeah, yeah no, nah, I'm not saying why you looking it up. Even like the tight end at Colorado State week. Like, you know, yeah, I'm sure most people had never heard of him before that week, but it's like, yeah, any week could be a game. I think that's a testament more to Shador in the sense of he's always going to make the throw, make, make the right throw, make the throw that's, you know, there he's going to go through his possession, progression, excuse me, and make the right throw instead of just saying, all right, you know, Jimmy Horn was my favorite target or he was my favorite target. I'm going to just throw it up to him and hope he comes down with it. Like, you know, if the, if the play is there, if you open, that ball is going to come to you. So it's like you got to be ready to – you just got to be ready when, when that opportunity comes, like Omarion was this past weekend. No, absolutely. And and you just take advantage of it. And Deion, you heard Deion say, now we're going to look for ways to get you the ball more often. Yeah. Mario Miller is out of Louisiana. They have him listed here, six foot, 295 pounds. Consistent four-star prospect by recruiting services. Uh, it looks like 247 had him ranked at the number 41 wide receiver in the class. Number 13 player out of Louisiana. Uh, yeah. O3 is really, you know, O3, they, they've been all over the place with college ball. It seems like since that portal came around, they've been big. They had him ranked as the number 45 receiver in the class. And this just goes to show you the rankings. There are probably guys that are ranked much higher than him that have not played yet this season. It might not. Someone probably might redshirt be in the portal. But he played well when his number was called. Uh, finished his career in high school at North Carolina High School. In Louisiana, with 154 receptions, 3,492 yards, and 43 touchdowns in 30 games. That's a lot. Of, that, that's 3,500 receiving yards. That's a lot of yards in a career. Yeah. And people have to consider he was a freshman. Right, <laughs> right. He didn't come in the game as a junior. He was a freshman, so he had a great he had a great day. I'm sure they're gonna look to get him some more targets. Like I said, whenever they get everybody back installed there. I don't know how that's going to work. Because remember, they just had a guy like two weeks ago that came from Auburn that had like two receiving touchdowns. It's so right. he, Auburn didn't know how to use him. They bring him to Colorado. They use him. So like I said, that receiver room, it reminds me of, I, for some reason, I'm doing a lot of comparisons today. I'll just stay with me. It reminds me of that Alabama room. Remember that Alvin Kamara was talking about when he was at Alabama? Yeah, yeah, that running back room, yeah. And it's just like guys everywhere. And I remember him saying, uh, all those guys had just won the state championships and they're yeah. at the state and we're all at Bama and like yeah. five of them played in the NFL. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Speaking of which, have you seen that uh there's an interview that just came out, Alvin Kamara, Life and Times. No, nah, I ain't seen it. I was check it out. Like y'all <laughs> YouTube, go YouTube, Life and Times. Uh, of Alvin Kamara, and that guy was one of his coaches at the Juco that he went to at Cutchinson. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. And so he outlined them from when he first started playing football, and I like those guys who break the questions down, like, okay, so what happened? How did you start playing football? Because it's like a chronological interview. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's called The Life and Times, and it's, I think it's five parts. So great. It's a great interview. Y'all check that yeah, out. Yeah. Shout out. Cutchinson High School. I mean, Cutchinson Junior College. I don't know the exact guy's name. So we're just going to say shout out. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so Colorado moves forward. They got Arizona State this weekend. 
good chance for Arizona State to get kind of back on. I mean, it's a good chance for Colorado to get back on the right track, getting the win this week. Arizona State did get Southern Cal problems, though, so this won't be a sleeper, especially the game is at ASU. Um, there's something else I wanted to mention. I did want to mention this about Southern Cal. Southern Cal is crazy, dude. So you got a quarterback in Caleb Williams. I kind of want to talk about their weapons real quickly. Yeah. Quarterback's Caleb Williams. Your running back is Marshawn Lloyd, who we saw is one of the few players in college football that can reverse field like they do on the high school huddle tapes. And then one of your best receivers is Brendan Rice. And Brendan Rice is nice. Brendan Rice is not just Jerry Rice's son. Like, he's kind yeah. of developed really well at Southern Cal. And they were without uh, Zachariah Branch. Yeah. Yeah. Taj Washington was the high receiver, eight receptions, 117 yards and a touchdown. Brendan Rice had two. It's like that. And then Caleb Williams went 30 for 40 for 403 yards and six touchdowns. Like, how many teams can say you have a quarterback that can easily throw for 300 to 400, probably one of the best players in college football this year? You got a running back in Marshawn Lloyd, which has the potential to be one of the best backs in the country. And then you have Brendan Rice, who's with Taj Washington and Zachariah Branch, a solid three man receiver core. It's like their offense got it going, but it just seems like it's another one of. Uh, Lincoln Riley's Achilles Hill, that defense, man. Yeah. And yeah. they're in the own conference to have defensive back. <laughs> yeah. You got defensive problems, problems in the SEC this year. You might be all right. You might be able to mask that, but you just can't have those problems out there with Michael Penix Jr. So, we're yeah. gonna move. Tom, if you anything inside there, you got to go. Oh, no, no, go ahead. Yeah. Okay. I was just gonna keep my eyes wanted to make sure I didn't cut you off. Uh but since I guess since we're talking about Michael Penix Jr., yeah, I had him up uh, next in the lineup anyway. This dude right here is the truth. Yeah. This dude right here, I think I've I looked up his his stats. He has not had a game yet this year where he hasn't thrown the ball for more than three hundred uh yards. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah, yeah, that offense is crazy. And from what I'm understanding. I don't know how they had this work, but he was a quarterback coach and offensive coordinator at Washington. Was the same guy he had in Indiana. Oh wow! And then he, that guy left Indiana because apparently he was originally committed to go to Tennessee. That guy mm. left, Tennessee. and so he left Tennessee, and they got a new staff, and so he's like, okay, cool, cool, cool. Then the guy hit him up like, "I'm in Indiana," so he went to Indiana, and now that guy's at Washington, so he went to Washington. So it's like his fifth or sixth year in the scheme. Yeah, some receivers out there that make plays and running backs are good. Like I said, I think every week he's throwing over 300, 300 passing yards. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Washington, I feel like we've seen Washington, whether it's be like in the Rose Bowl or in the playoff, it's like, okay, they make it there, but usually they lose out in the first round. Yeah. Yeah. They got him a squad this year. You got any thoughts on Michael? And he's a lefty. You know, those lefties, they, they get that ball out quick. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah. hey guys, you know, float it out there, get a little catch, you know, you know, smile, take a picture, run. Them left, <laughs> they see it, they throw it. So that's my thought. I think Washington, for I guess what I'm trying to say here, I think Washington is very for real this year. Yeah, I think they're at least worth uh, people staying up at the dark. But any thoughts on Washington this far this season? Yeah, no, I'm with you, man. I think I think they're for real. I mean, they they caught they caught my eye. Like, I mean, you knew about them coming into the season because. You know, Phoenix had a pretty good year last season, you know, putting up uh, some high numbers. Um, you know, so you knew about him coming into this year. But 
by the third game, uh, when they went to to Michigan State, I'm looking at it now, and they won 41-7, went to Michigan State. Not that Michigan State is like, you know, the same Michigan State of old or like a dominant team, but Boise State, we won, they put up 56. Toast Week 2, they put up 43. And then when they went into Michigan State and put up 41, and they jumped out on them early. They had like 20, 30-something in the first half. That's really what it is. It's like you you take a Washington score at first half, it'll be like 38 to nothing or something like that, 38 to 6. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's really what was catching my eye was like you, you know, see the little ticker at the bottom, and these boys up three, four scores in the first half. Um, so, yeah, man, that offense is crazy. You know, uh, Phoenix is, is good and experienced as is, but he's got some great receivers out there. Uh, with Romo Dunze, he's, you know, arguably the best receiver in the country. Um, he's got a guy, I think Jalen McMillan out there, a, a guy named Polk out there. So he's got, it, it, it's another real talented recruit, receiving crew. You pair that with an elite quarterback, it's, it's made for what you see in the offense every game. Um, you know, like you said, uh, we, we've kind of known Washington to be competitive in the past. They've been in the mix. They made a, a playoff appearance, uh, you know, like in one of the first years of playoff was around. But I think back then around that time, they hung their hat more on that defense. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this is definitely a little different than we're seeing. You remember they had Jay Brown and stuff back then, but it wasn't like the crazy offense they got now. Um, so, yeah, man, it's, it's, you know, they got a real shot at it, but you know, much like Matt has been harping on almost every week, that Pac-12 is like what we used to seeing from the SEC. It's like somebody's not going to be able to go. Like, you know, all these teams play – like Washington sees USC at some point. Um, I wish I had the the rest of the schedule. I know they don't play Colorado. I think they play Oregon this week. Um, yeah. So it's like it's, – it's, yeah, we're we're coming up on the, on the real test right now. And we're about to see who makes it out. Because, I mean, yeah, that Pac-12 is so stacked, man. But, but – yeah, somebody's not going to be able to make it. Um, and, yeah, but, I mean, with that offense Washington has got, they got a real shot, man. Yeah, they're, they're, they're for real this year. They got real deal quarterback and, and real deal receivers out there. So, they're going to be in every game this year for sure just because of that. Hey, dude, yeah. Oh, they next week. That's next week. That's next week. Next week. Next week. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they might – I think both of them might be on buys this week. Oh man, so you know they're both on buys this week, and I'm checking that right now. Yep, they're on. Oh man, so you know they're gonna be good and ready to go for that one. Yeah, yeah. And then you got uh, Washington plays USC later on this year, November fourth. That game will be at Southern Cal. Man, I don't know. It seems like for the most part, every weekend is a good weekend in college football these days. Like it don't take too many slouches. That's gonna be crazy. That is, and like I said, when a guy's just been in a certain offense for that long. The one of the, the interview guy asked me, he's like, I bet you know exactly uh, what the play call. It, it was a very veteran answer to his question. He's like, I bet you know every play call your coach is going to make. He's like, no, but I know why he made that. Big call. So that was like, oh. yeah. yeah. So I was like, they just need no injuries. It will, you know, you can handle a couple injuries, maybe out wide, not too many. But Michael Penix Jr. is the one that keeps this thing going. And from my understanding, he's had like ACL injury. He's had bad injuries on like both legs, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So long, and they have good offensive lines. As long as he stays yeah. healthy, they definitely have a shot in this thing. Uh, obviously, that Oregon Southern Cal game is going to be great to watch. Hey, shoot, they might as well uh, – they can make it the late game because I think at this point the East Coast is up to watch late Pac-12, especially if you're getting good quarterback play. All right, all right. Very exciting. So, Yeah, I think – no, no, no. Just to, uh, I guess, you know, add on to that would be uh, – you know how you say um, – 
you know, it seems like every week there's a big game. Yeah. I think that in part is just how wide open college football is this year. You can't really pinpoint a team and be like, okay, we know for sure they're going to be contending for a national championship or they're going to be in the playoff. It's like every game. Like last year, Washington, Oregon, yeah, it might have been a good game, but there might not have been no real implications yeah. along the lines of the game. It's like, okay, you'll tune in if you want to see, you know, a high-scoring, you know, offensive battle. But now it's like, okay, this, you know, this game really has some stuff ride on it. Whether you look at Pac-12 championship implications or national championship implications, it's like each week, you you know, we're learning something new about all these teams. Um, teams are, you know, checking boxes, answering certain questions. So I just feel like, yeah, with college football being wide open, you can't pinpoint just, you know, the best team right now. I feel like every game, you know, has its own, uh, you know, importance to it. And, and so that's why, you know, some of these games are, or, you know, we're getting a good game every week, like you, like you mentioned. And, you know, you know, Joel Class says it always, it's like uh, part of his intro to his show on YouTube. Y'all, we mentioned him a lot. It's great. Yeah. It's crazy. Every <laughs> street they were talking about, he was like, y'all got to watch Notre Dame versus, uh, what is it, Notre Dame versus Duke. I'm like, where's Kirkman? I'm forgotten. I, I don't, and I, you know, they laid off, you know, Pollock and those guys. So you don't see those yeah. guys that often. But, uh, he said he's like, we're, we're interested in the dawn of college football. Like, these are some of the best times of the golden years. Yeah. You no, know, really, because especially between the NIL and how things are set up now, they're a little bit more balanced. Like you said, there's no just clear cut Alabama wins it all every year. Exactly. Yeah. Alabama got to deal with Ole Miss, and it, it's, it's great. It's a great, this is a great time for college football. Want to move stay here in the Pac-12 though? Here quickly. Want to talk about Oregon? Like I said, we didn't record last week, so we can talk about the Oregon, uh, Oregon Colorado game. But then want to mention? Did Did you see? Okay, first of all, you got Birch. It's funny. Birch from South Carolina goes out to Oregon. You see him make that big uh, sack on Shador Sanders early in the game. It's like so that's why he left University of South Carolina. So you see that obviously the quarterbacks Bo Nix came from the SEC. So that's two SEC players top of my head. Head coach used to be a defensive coordinator at Georgia. Then three SEC players slash coaches. You saw Kyrie Jackson out there? Mm. He went to Alabama. He had to step in in the playoff for somebody. I think that's his name. Is Kyrie. What position? Uh, receiver? Corner. Corner. Corner? Kyrie Jackson from Oregon. He's number five. He played at Alabama. And I remember the name because he had to step in. Okay, apparently he was a really high recruited guy. And he had to go to uh, JUCO. Okay, yeah. And then Alabama came and got him out of JUCO, and it hits like one of his very first games, or was like in the college football playoff. It was crazy. Yeah, yeah. No, I remember that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this picture now. I remember that. Yeah, that that Bama game was that national championship was crazy. I remember that. It, it was guys having to step up on both sides of the ball because Jamo Jameson Williams got injured on offense, so you had some guys like. Uh, I think it was like a Jai Hall or some guy that ended up going to Texas had to come in. Um, yeah, it was like some highly touted freshmen along, like you were saying with Kyrie Jackson. Like their first appearance was in that on that big of a stage in the national championship. Yeah, it's a couple of guys like that. Yeah, because I remember seeing it. I'd heard his name. I was like, wait, he's at Oregon now. And I looked at the picture of owner. That's definitely him. So yeah. that's crazy. That that on uh, Oregon defensive coordinator, I mean, defense coordinator from Georgia, it seems like he went out to Oregon. He's like, oh, we're we going to get the SEC going out here in the Pac-12. Now, Oregon did struggle a little bit. I think this week they had Stanford, right? Um, Was it Stanford? Was it Stanford? Whoever they played, they struggled. Yeah, yeah, they, 
Yeah, Stanford. Yeah. Wait a minute. Oh, this was forty-two to six. Wait a minute. Oh, I think what it was was just coming out of the first quarter. It was zero three. So people were like, kind of, what's going on? But yeah, yeah, yeah. Over fourteen points in the second quarter, the twenty-one points in the third, and they end up getting the win. But just thought that was kind of interesting with Oregon way you designed that roster. It seems like Oregon is built to compete for real. It just so happens that there's a lot of teams in the Pac-12 that are kind of built to compete. But uh, not going to lie to you, I had ultimate faith in Bo Nix. Who did we say they lost to in the opener like two years? Georgia. Georgia. Last season. Last season against Georgia. Yeah, it's like they lost to that opener. And I was like, okay, last time I got this excited for Bo Nix. So it's hard for me to get that excited again. But Oregon's built in the last, I think, this year. Uh, They got the right mentality. And then it's going to be interesting. Like I said, we haven't said this in a long time, but it's going to be interesting to see how this Pac-12 plays out. Yeah. Now, I want to mention this, man. I guess kind of reverse role for a second, maybe ask, you know, get your thoughts on it. I can't remember if it was Clack or if it was somebody else show I was watching. Um, but it was more around last week after the Colorado-Oregon game. And you remember how Oregon's coach kind of made headlines with the pregame speech, you know, uh, they play for clicks, we play for championships, whatever he said, wins championships. I can't even remember the exact quote. But I think Clat or whoever saw I was watching was like, that's a statement you made to the nation to like let them know I'm confident in my team. Like this team is for real. Like you don't make that kind of statement if you're unsure, you know, about what you got in that locker room. So you so I guess, you know, my question to you is like, you know, you you agree with that, you you know, kind of feel the same way. Like do you think coming out making a statement that controversial. Because, I mean, you know saying something like that, right? After we fresh off the whole Colorado State thing, the statement, you know, they're coming <laughs> like, I mean, come on now. So it was like, I feel like he kind of knew what he was getting into making, you know, saying what he said. So, yeah, and we never really got to talk about that since, you know, we didn't get to do the show last week. So, yeah. I was thinking, I thought very similar to, I think, I'm pretty sure that was Clat. I was yeah. like, this dude has watched this team at practice all off season, and he probably knew like within three or four practice of the week we had a chance to be really great. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. think he watched that Colorado film, and he was like, "Oh, their offense a lot of struggles, and that's our strength." Like yeah. I think he was, I thought he cut it up. He's like, "Oh, this ends. Oh, there like there is no shot. You know, there's not even a chance that we might come out here sleeping. There's no shot." But yeah. see how they exploded on that scene. It was like they were some guys on a mission. Yeah. It was like, like like I said, I think of it. I remember Dave Dabble used to say, we knew within about five plays in practice that we knew Sammy walked. And he said about Sammy, he said about Deshaun, we knew about five plays in that this guy just cut different than the rest. Mm-hmm. And I think he cut on that Colorado film. He's like, on our worst day, we should beat them by 25. Yeah, that's that's it right there, man. Even, if, even if we have all day we got it, that's probably what he was thinking. There is no, like, there is no absolute chance. Like, even if it, as long as everybody don't get COVID, only yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because I think whenever he he's like, wait a minute, because I think DJ's brother plays in Oregon on the defensive line. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think you're right. Yeah, and I think he's like him and Birch and those guys. He's like these guys are maybe he, like you know Birch. Obviously, he left South Carolina. It's okay. Maybe they didn't know how to use him, but he's like, but I know how to get the most out of these guys. Yeah, I saw after the game, he's like, I got to humble myself a little bit. I heard him saying it, but I'm like, nah, man, like, do you? If that's what yeah. it takes for you, and it's a different mentality for Oregon. 
Yeah, it's a very different mentality. Like that's not, you know, we used to see Oregon like if they come out and beat Florida State, remember the, in the uh, playoff where Jameis throws the ball backwards. Yeah, if they come out and have that kind of game, they celebrate. But to sit there and be like, "Oh, we're not doing this for clicks," that's a different mentality. Yeah, again, I love it for college football. Yeah, now nah, fact, like you said, man, I you know along the lines of when you said how he said in the post game, like I got to kind of humble myself a little bit, and you were like, "Nah, you know, let that out." I feel like that's kind of why there's so many eyes on Dion, because Dion is like breaking a mold of what we know as like the typical college coach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like when they ask him these typical answers you can hear in the press conference, he's not giving a typical response that you would expect from a coach. When they ask him about Cormani, he didn't just, oh, he's working hard and you know, he's it. He's like, man, he got he doesn't show the means. He it's like he's keeping it so real. It's like, man, I feel like that's what we need more in college football is, like, let your true emotions show. Like, Tate, if you're that confident in your team, let that be known because that puts even more confidence in your team to know our coaching staff thinks this highly of us. They think this confident of us to go make a statement out there like this, you know, basically throw themselves out, um, you know, in front of the fire and, you know, we got to go out there and, and get the job done for them. I feel like that gives the team more confidence to know a coach is, is that confident in us to go out and say something like that. So. Yeah, man, I agree with you, man. I feel like we need to see more of that from coaches. Just, just you know, let, let your true emotions come out. Say how you really feel. Yeah, like, you know, for sure, because it is exciting as a fan base. And yeah. even these women's home away or whatever, you go the whole fan base. It's not just me talking crazy and the coach being politically correct. Exactly. He's not being politically correct either. Like I said, I love Dion. Yeah, I mean, we ain't seen that. Like I said, he straight up told about, uh, I don't know why I keep forgetting his name. Uh, Omar, Omar, yeah. is it Omar? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Let's see. Yeah, yeah, Omar, Omar, yeah, Omar, yeah, Miller. I keep thinking of Omar Cooper. That's why I keep yeah. messing up. That's the corner. But it's like, yeah, if, if he don't show up practice, let us know so we don't have to sit here and speculate and act like everything is great with this guy and be wondering why is he not playing? And it's like, oh no, no, he's told us he doesn't show up to meetings. He doesn't, whatever, whatever. Then one of the things is kind of interesting that Omar Cooper, for all yeah. this, he's been doing a pretty good job. And yeah, yeah. Uh, I see him helping a lot with run support at Colorado. What's going to be interesting is, because see, when you put Cormani McLean and he has the pass deflection in front of Rice, now people are going to want him. Travis Henry gets back. Travis Henry plays pretty much all of I think he's more valuable to the team. He's valuable both ways, but really on the defense side of the ball. Right. right. The corner, whatever. And so it's like, now, we've seen Cormani, but we know Travis Henry will probably start at corner. Do you now push Omarion Cooper out the way so that Cormani plays? Whenever Cormani had beat, I mean, whenever Omarion had beaten him out for the job. Yeah, yeah. Or do you sub them in more now? Yeah, I think I think it's not because you all, I think it's more, I think it's just more subbing. Because if you want to look at it from the last half full perspective, it's we get to keep fresh legs in the game. There you go. So let's say Travis just had a big drive on offense. Okay, now we're comfortable with him missing his drive because we can put Cormani out there or Amari on and be straight. When before it was, you know, Travis is playing 160-something snaps because we're not so sure about Cormani yet. So if anything, that's how I would look at it from positive. It's like, okay, as much as we use Travis, if he needs a breather, we can be comfortable giving him a breather for, you know, however long he needs. And, you know, our same outlook on offense, like how we said every week it seems like a new receiver is emerging. It's just that's even better probably than um, you know, well, honestly, corners probably had better having fresh legs with all these high powered offenses you play these days. 
Um, but yeah, that's that's how I would look at it. It's just you know, yeah, you can sub more and and you'll have fresh legs and you'll be able to trust those players that are putting in with fresh legs too. Yeah, the thing is, you feel like. I mean, all these schools have good receivers, but at least you feel like if he can do that with those USC guys, and like I said, now, if Zachariah branches here, I feel like that's a whole different type of ball game just because right. you're another type of explosive athlete. But it's okay, we can play with the best of them. So now we can right. do it. Now the question is, too, for the guys, do, do you – because, you know, you say the worst thing is for you to have terrible work ethic, work ethics, and then we good things happen. Yeah, was I rewarding? Yeah, rewarding bad. But yeah, my mom. Yeah, I was say as a kid, that was yeah. You know, you acting up at school, but then you want something. Yeah, my mom tell me that all the time. You about to reward bad behavior. Then, so that's what I'm thinking. It's like, okay, so where do these guys go? Because now they say, come think I'm just not a practice player. Like I, that, that just is what it is. And then like you know, I don't think they'll leave, but you know, I never know what's going in the locker room. But it's like now these guys are like, oh no, I played, I balled on the biggest stage now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I just, like I said, to see uh, Amarion Miller go off like that and kind of the break, I thought he was, he almost broke that run, but the guy kind of caught him from behind. But it is crazy to hear. He's like, oh, he hasn't been practicing well. And you talked about this in one of our past episodes, though. It's like, I wonder what those guys on the practice field. And we feel like we have a lot of uh, understanding what's going on at Colorado practice because we got the well-off media stuff. Right. But it's like, what goes on with those practice? What amount of talent is on that team already that it just doesn't practice well? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, sure, sure. So, yeah, so, y'all, I think that's all we got for this week. Thomas, you got anything else? Nah, I think, I think that, that's it for me, bro. Y'all, we should be back every week now. Like I said, we had to take a, had to take a break. They said I need recovery. I'll be back. In- <laughs> yeah. Got to do it, got to do it. But, yeah, y'all, so – That's all we got for this week, and uh, thanks for listening. Peace.